Sacramento welcomes more than 15 million visitors a year, and they spend more than $4 billion into our economy. It's over 100,000 jobs. You think about hospitality jobs. It's not just hotels. It's restaurants. It's taxis. It's ride shares. It's everything in between. The visitor market is a big market, and there's billions of dollars coming in. Welcome to the Nonprofit Podcast Network. Our purpose and passion is to highlight a nonprofit organization in each episode, giving that organization an opportunity to tell their story in their words to better inform and educate the respective communities they serve, as well as provide one more tool for them to share their message to constituents and donors. Hi, I'm Jeff Holden, Principal of Multipoint Content Strategies and Hear Me Now Studio. We provide this forum pro bono to help build stronger communities through shared voices and to both encourage and support the growth of local nonprofit organizations through podcasting. Mike Tessa is the president and CEO of Visit Sacramento, leading a talented team that's dedicated to promoting Sacramento as an attractive place to visit and creating and attracting events and programs that grow the region's prowess as a tourism destination. Through the impact of travel, Mike and his team strengthen Sacramento's economic position, create jobs, and improve the quality of life for people in the community. Mike's been busy over the last decade building Sacramento's tourism landscape. He helped establish the region's farm-to-fork identity, created nationally recognized events like the Tower Bridge Dinner, and brought the famed Michelin Guide to the city. He built relationships with national promoters to position Sacramento as an ideal festival destination for major music events like the Aftershock and Golden Sky Festivals. Under his leadership, Sacramento has attracted new citywide conventions, and he signed the largest convention held in Sacramento, the Unified Wine and Grape Symposium, to a 10-year agreement. Mike's a graduate of St. Mary's College and has spent his career promoting, connecting, and developing relationships to elevate organizational goals. As an expert communicator and seasoned destination marketing executive, he's highly sought after to speak at CEO forums, participate in panel discussions, and facilitate conversations around marketing, tourism development, and community and economic creation and development. I say he's more than all that. He's a Sacramento evangelist and somebody I'm proud to call a friend. Mike, welcome to the Nonprofit Podcast. I am really excited to hear what you have to say. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here, Jeff. Thank you. So, you know, most of us in the greater Sacramento region don't really know what Visit Sacramento is. It's something that does something for the city. We know it draws people in some way, shape, or form. Can you help us understand a little bit better what that really means? Yeah, so our job is to get tourists to come to Sacramento. And tourists are defined a number of different ways. A conventioneer is a tourist. Someone coming to visit their family and friends is a tourist. Somebody coming for a sporting event is a tourist. So our job is to attract tourists to the market, have them spend their disposable income into our economy, then go back to wherever they came from, and hopefully next year they return to Sacramento. And tell a bunch of friends that they really enjoyed their experience while they were here. Yeah, exactly. And and, and tourism, especially for a market like Sacramento, is word of mouth. You know, most people, when we talk about tourism, they think Las Vegas or New York City. And, and sometimes it's a hard conversation to have because people say, what, what do you mean tourism in Sacramento? You don't really have tourists that come here. Absolutely, we do. And it's a huge part of our economy. So again, there's a lot of different reasons that draw tourists to Sacramento. And, and a lot of those are things that, that we're producing. But I will tell you, and, and obviously I'm biased as the head of the organization, but there are a lot of tourists that come to Sacramento. And we're going to get there in just a second. 
formerly, if I'm not mistaken, the Sacramento Convention and Visitors Bureau, That's SCVB. It. Yep. And you've been here now, what is it, about 14 I've been with 15? the organization for 22 years, and I've been the CEO <laughs> okay. for six. Okay. Yeah. I was off a little bit. Yeah, but... That's right, because I remember when you started, and I don't want to remember it might have been that long ago. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, and, it was a long time ago. And it was Steve Hammond who was here prior, right? Yeah, Steve was my predecessor. Great guy. Did a lot of great things for this yeah, region. He really did. I think he got it kicked off. So as we look at it as what was the Convention and Visitors Bureau, almost kind of sounds dated. Yeah. You know, so Visit Sacramento, much more contemporary. If we go to the website, which we have up behind you here... It looks much more contemporary. It does much more than a convention and visitors bureau really does to the point of where you're actually even taking on some risk with some of the events, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. If, if you look at Sacramento 15 years ago, convention and visitors bureau was, was an appropriate name. You know, conventions are still the largest driver of tourism to Sacramento, but now we have so many different things that are attracting visitors, whether it's sporting events or music festivals or food things, that Visit Sacramento is, is, a, is a better name because, again, we were somewhat of a one-trick pony a decade or so ago. Mm -hmm. we've, we've grown a little bit in, in that sense. So Visit Sacramento is a, a more appropriate term. Do you see with the advent of the Kings, and I see Doko on the website, you know, downtown, the development of the arena, the Republic FC, we have a great soccer team here, and we've been host to some of the NCAA playoff games. How does that influence just the sports alone? How do you think that influences if you have an idea in it, terms of percentages? It's a huge influence. You know, what's interesting is the light the beam phenomenon yes. that, that happened in Sacramento is, as locals, brilliant. we love it, right? And it's it's a brilliant marketing idea and it's so simple, which the best ones always yeah. are. I think what a lot of people maybe don't see is that it was a national phenomenon that ESPN was talking about lighting the beam in Sacramento. You had NCAA when we hosted March Madness. One of those teams who was their, – their colors were blue. They had a blue beam that they took the, the Kings Arena and, and tried to do something. So all those types of events, whether it's basketball or track and field, they shine a spotlight on Sacramento and bring a ton of attention to the market. You know, we just hosted an Ironman in October, mm -hmm. and they've got just over 3,000 participants, but they've got a global social media audience, and that, that event is broadcast on social media. So the attention that it brings to Sacramento is phenomenal. And then you look, like, look at music festivals like Aftershock. You've got 40,000 people a day. 65% of them don't live in this region. They come from literally every state in the U.S. and 35 countries around the world. So again, when you when you think of a capital city like Sacramento, which are oftentimes seen as a boring government town, right? Mm -hmm. We've tried to give folks ideas that we are not that boring government town by hosting events, whether they're sporting events and music festivals, to show that that there's a lot more to Sacramento than just the government base. Obviously, that's part of who we are. But you look at other cities, other state capitals, Nashville, Santa Fe, Austin, They've carved an identity outside of that government definition, and that's what we've started to do in Sacramento. And all those similar-sized cities in terms of the relative rank in population. Absolutely. And, and you don't think of any of those cities as capitals, right? When, when you say right. it, people go, oh, yeah, that's right. They are capitals. Yeah. But the reality is they, they've been able to get away from that identity by creating other things that drive attention. And many of them have a river that surrounds or runs through their cities too. Austin and Sacramento are geographically very similar, very similar in population. Uh, and, and we've, you know, emulated a lot of what they've done in, in changing the identity of that city. Yeah. San Antonio, if I'm not mistaken too, has that great river walk. Yeah. Which 98% of the visitors to the river walk don't live in San Antonio. It's designed for tourism. Perfect. Yep. We need to do more of that. Yeah. We'll take a river walk. That's right. Yeah. 
to your point of some of those events, if I'm not mistaken, we have longer term contracts with some of those and you just renewed the Ironman, if I'm not mistaken, as well, right? Yeah, we the initial deal was a three-year deal. You know, you kind of test drive each other to make sure it works. It, it worked for both parties, so we just signed a five-year deal with them. Aftershock started as a one-day festival, which is under 12,000 people. It's now a four-day festival with 160,000 people. With a global identification, as you mentioned. Global identification, largest hard rock show on the West Coast. Coming out of the pandemic, it was the third highest revenue-grossing festival in the world. The fact that Sacramento hosts that is, is pretty cool. The fact that we don't know that yeah. is more disturbing. People, you know, people say to me all the time, I never see your advertising. Well, yeah, because you live here. My advertising goes to visitors. You know, sometimes we're in airline right. magazines. We're doing ads in, in different markets in the country. But you're not my audience. I'll, I'll get calls every year. You know, we're doing a special advertising section on golf course, golf courses in Sacramento. Do you want to advertise? Well, well no. I, I mean, I, I'm all for the locals playing golf, but that's not my audience. Right. And if you did advertise, you know, somebody would have a problem with the fact that you're spending yeah. money in the city for something that we all reside in and can see on our own. My, my job is to get people to stay in hotel rooms, right? So if there's a, an event like the Farm to Fork Festival that is bringing people from Roseville or Elk Grove that are coming down and staying in hotels because there's a free concert and they want to stay and have a good time, that counts. But the most, the majority of our advertising is happening outside the market. You know, and that's a good point because I don't think people recognize that really is the objective. So who is... The ultimate constituent. Who is it that you are serving besides the greater community? Because yeah. it's a great. Any of the events are great for the visibility and uh, you know an understanding of what happens in Sacramento. But who do you actually answer to in the grand scheme of things? Well, I have a board of directors, obviously that that helps to guide the organization. The majority of our funding comes from the hotel community. Okay. So when a visitor comes into the market and stays in a hotel, there'll be an assessment on their bill, like every other city in the country. So. 3% of, of the bill is added on, and, and that's the majority of our funding, a little over 65% of our funding. We get a little bit of funding from the county of Sacramento. We get some funding from the city of Sacramento, and then we generate a lot of our own through private revenue. So that's about 20% of our full budget. So the majority is coming from the hotel community, which is why okay. our job is to book hotel rooms. Hotel rooms, right. Yeah. In your opinion, how are we doing in terms of the relative capacity of hotel rooms for the city based on the events that we have at this point in time? It depends on the event. You know, I can tell you that that for Aftershock, it is, we don't have enough hotel rooms for that event. It is filling hotel rooms from Yolo to Placer County and everything in between. Wonderful. Uh, the, the hotel occupancy and the rates go up in Placer County when we host that event. For some of our larger conventions, that's definitely spilling over into different counties as well. Honestly, Jeff, our biggest challenge now is we are limited by the little number of hotel rooms that we have. If we had more hotel rooms, we'd go after bigger events. People ask me all the time, when are we going to get the NBA All-Star game? When we have about 6,000 downtown hotel rooms. And right now we've got just over three. Okay. And when you compare that to other markets, you look at Indianapolis, they've got about 13,000 downtown hotel rooms. Austin has about 18,000 downtown hotel rooms. Wow. We don't even have four. So, you know, for a convention, when they come into town... Our largest convention, the Wine and Grape Symposium, they will contract with 18 different hotels. That's how many delegates are coming into town. That that same piece of business could fit in the Hilton Towers in San Francisco. All of those delegates in could one stay in one hotel, and we're using 18 hotels. That's a challenge because for a meeting planner, they don't want to sign all those contracts. Right. They want to make it easy for the delegates. They want them to be in one space. So that, that's been a barrier for us, and, and we've advocated for a long time now that we need more hotel rooms. And there are some coming into the market, but we could add a lot. That was my next question. Do yeah. We do see we see things on the horizon that are coming 
there is the expectation they'll be built. Yeah, there, there's a proposal right now, and it's, it's gained a lot of momentum of a convention center specific, specific hotel that would have a, a skywalk from the hotel to the convention center. Again, you know, when we look at the hotels we go after, people ask me, what, what kind of hotels do you go after? How do you identify them? We go after what fits. Right. Is our convention center big enough to house it? Do we have enough hotel rooms for the delegates? Those are the first two questions we get asked. And depending on the answer, the conversation either continues or it stops. I can imagine pretty quickly in some cases. Very quickly, yeah. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned, Aftershock, as almost a homogenous event that organically grew here, Yeah. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, we have a country one now that's starting to brew. Yeah. So so Danny Wimmer presents as the one who puts on Aftershock. He came out here about 12 years ago. He and I met. Actually, we were introduced by John Reinhardt, who's the president of the Kings, because mm-hmm. Danny wanted to explore festivals in this market. So I drove him around to a couple of spaces. We landed on Discovery Park for that one-day event. You know, I, I think the hope was that it would grow. I, I would have not guessed it grew to the level it did, but it was so successful that we were able to go back to the city of Sacramento 10 years later and say, we want to add a second festival. You know, we're coming out of COVID, so there's a lot of risk to the promoter. Mm-hmm. Will you help us underwrite his risk? And the way we were able to convince the city to do that was we took the hotel tax collections from Aftershock, knowing that that's about $1.5 million a year. So if you invest in a second festival, the money doesn't go to the hotels alone. It also comes back to the city and county of Sacramento. So rarely do you see government operate like a business, but I give a lot of credit to Mayor Daryl Steinberg and and to city manager Howard Chan because they saw an opportunity for a one-time investment that would drive not only hotel tax revenues but sales tax and bring business to, to all these different businesses throughout the region. Because when the festival starts at noon, you're eating breakfast at restaurants locally. Mm-hmm. When you get out at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, nobody's going back to their hotels and going to bed. They're going right. out to bars and restaurants. So it was a great jump start. like I said, especially coming out of COVID for our economy. And how has that concert performed to date? And it's the second year, is it? Yeah. So so Golden Sky started last year. We had about 30,000 attendees over two days. This year, we were over 50,000 attendees for two days. It's more successful than we anticipated, which means that next year it goes to three days. We expected it to go to three days in probably five years or so. The fact that we're doing it in year three shows the value of it. And what's really interesting about a three-day festival, for a two-day music festival, often you get a lot of locals that Mm -hmm. come to that, right? It's probably 70, 30 local. As you add that third day, that starts to shift. You get more visitors. Doesn't mean we're not getting as many locals because we'll still get all those folks. Right. But it generates new interest from people outside of the region, from outside of California, that see that lineup of music. And if country is your genre, it's worth getting on an airplane and coming to Sacramento for. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because for the longest time, if you've been around town for a while, you remember the Jazz Festival. Yeah. And it was a huge event. Right. Music in Sacramento seems to have a place. And now you've taken it and replaced it with not only rock— but rock and country, and, and who knows where else that goes. If it continues the successful path that it's taken, we could see more things depending on the availability. For sure we can. And you may know about something, but I don't. And, and I do, and I'll tell you about it. <laughs> so just to give you an idea of the economics, Aftershock over that four-day period contributes $28 million to our economy. It generates 7,000 temporary jobs. Like I said, it fills every hotel from from Davis to Rockland. Yeah. It is employing people throughout that that week. Then you add in the country festival, right? So we do it a second time. That That's growing to the point where it'll start approaching aftershock numbers. The idea has always been to have three festivals in a row. So huh. we would have three different genres over three different weekends. And you mm-hmm. look at October now, and let's say the new festival, when we, when we do it, is the first weekend. Then aftershock, then Golden Sky, and the last weekend is Iron Man. 
over that month, the economic impact of those four events will be well over $65 million over four weekends. That, that's a huge economic jolt for our businesses. Oh, absolutely. And that doesn't take into account the visibility that you couldn't buy yeah. for what the city gets. Yeah. Well, again, you look at Aftershock, 90 plus bands, an international audience, the experience that people have because they're coming to see their favorite bands, right? So right. the experience within the festival grounds is a positive one. When they leave, what do you guys think of Sacramento? Oh, we had the best time. Such a such a right. cool place. So the 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 long term impact on that is big because again, in my business of selling conventions, a lot of it is do they know what Sacramento is? Things like Aftershock and Golden Sky raise our profile to where people go, yeah, I've, I've heard of Sacramento because I've had those questions, Jeff. I've been at dinners in New York City where I actually had somebody, a reporter asked me, so do you guys have an airport in Sacramento? You're kidding me. I'm going, we're the capital of, <laughs> ca what, do, do we have an airport? Yeah, we'll put you in the buggy and drive you out to it, right? There's some misperceptions about every city the size of Sacramento. So yeah. things like Aftershock shine that positive spotlight on the region. Well, and I'm sure when we see you know, Kings in the playoff. Yeah, that helps you know, that, too. That changes that dynamic. Big People time. see it and they see this arena. Oh my gosh, it looks like the arena we have. Oh, it actually looks better than the arena. We, it actually looks like one of the best arenas in the in the entire country. Which it is. And what's across right. the jerseys? Sacramento, right? That's right. So the better the Kings are, the more fun our city looks. That's right. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about the economic impact because you've, you've touched on it, just the concerts alone, but, but the overall economic impact, because as a resident, you know, we, we hear, you know, people complain about the city, oh, the city, this, the city, that, and they don't realize, you know, what is going on behind the scenes to really put the city in the forefront and the significance of some of those things that the city does do that really are impressive and, and revenue generating. It's interesting. I think, you know, perception is, is interesting because it, it, it's, it's different for all of us, right? One of the things that we have in Sacramento are farmers markets year round. You move to the East Coast. They don't have anything like that because they don't have the, the growing climate that we do. But we expect it here, right? Because we've always had it. Right. I've had people come into town. Danny Wimmer from Danny Wimmer Presents. The first couple of years they were here, he and his staff all said to me, God, your guys downtown is great. I love it. It's so late. It's laid out really well. It feels safe. You don't hear that all the time from locals. I have a, a job recruiter that we're working on a position in, in, our, in the organization who was here this week. She said, your downtown is great. It's clean. It's charming. I didn't see very many homeless you talk to locals, you wouldn't get that same perception. So I think a lot of it is, you know, coming from the outside, they see it differently. To answer your question from a visitor standpoint, you know, we talked about New York and, and Las right. Vegas at the top. Sacramento welcomes more than 15 million visitors a year, and they spend more than $4 billion into our economy. It's over 100,000 jobs. You think about hospitality jobs. It's not just hotels. It's restaurants. It's taxis. It's ride shares. It's everything in between. The, yeah. the visitor market is a big market, and there's billions of dollars coming in. 15 million people. 15.3, Jeff. Don't cut out that 15, point three. 15 times. It's 15 times. It's more than a million people a month. Larger than the city. Yes. Yeah. That's an amazing, it's an astounding number that it, we even can accommodate that many. It is. And and again, people are shocked when, when they hear that. And those aren't, that's not my data. Visit California commissions right. a, a study every year of all the counties in, in California and how many visitors are coming and what the spend is in those counties. So this is second party data that we get from, from Visit California. You know, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about some, not some, a very significant event that happens that's that's based around the food and our agriculture our farms and our restaurants. And we have some phenomenal restaurants. We have some Michelin star rated restaurants, yeah. which again, people don't recognize. They think they have to go to Napa or San Francisco. Right. They don't, they can come right here. Tell us a little bit about that event. Yeah. 
and, and how it came to be. So Sacramento is America's farm to fork capital came about in a really kind of cool way. I had a restaurateur, Josh Nelson from the Selden Family Restaurant Group call me and literally just say, Mike, we should be America's farm to fork capital. I said, Josh, why do you say that? So he gave me kind of, you know. That's how it originated? That, that's how it started. Yeah. <laughs> so he gave me his elevator pitch and I hung up the phone. It was kind of like the beam, right? I'm like, damn, how did I not think of that? Yeah. Like, it's so, so simple, simple, but it's true. In the same way that Austin can be the live music capital of the world, food and agriculture has been a part of Sacramento for well over a century. When you look around and, and, and know that we have 1.5 million acres of active farmland, we have 165 plus different commodities coming out of the ground. When they're eating Brussels sprouts on the East Coast for six weeks, we got strawberries coming out of the ground in Sacramento, right. right? We grow so much of the food that feeds the rest of the country that it absolutely is an identity that we should brace, embrace. So Councilmember Daryl Fong was part of that conversation. He took it to Mayor Kevin Johnson at the time, and America's Farm to Fork Capital was born. So then we decided we need to do some, some things to celebrate this, right? We need to do the Farm to Fork Festival. We need to celebrate the wine because wine grapes are the largest commodity in Sacramento County. So we created Legends of Wine. And we're in a meeting, and, and I threw out a couple ideas. We need something iconic, like let's shut down a parking garage roof and do a dinner there. Or let's shut down the Tower Bridge and do a dinner on the bridge. Right. So Josh Nelson and Patrick Mulvaney came up to me after that meeting. They said, we like that Tower Bridge idea. Let's make that happen. Uh-huh. So a number of us did that, and obviously the Tower Bridge was born, and it's become something that's you know obviously a phenomenon in Sacramento. What I love about Farm to Fork, and, and you heard me mention the, those other three capital cities, the national media is not writing about the gold rush of 1849 anymore solely when it comes to Sacramento. They're writing about our food scene. Mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal named us one of the top five mid-sized cities in the country for food. You mentioned the Michelin Guide. Michelin came to Sacramento because of Farm to Fork. I drove to San Francisco when they were pitching, when they were releasing the Michelin Guide there. I gave my 30-second elevator pitch to the folks at Michelin, started a relationship with them over the next six to eight months. We cultivated that. And ultimately, they came back to me and said, we're interested, but we think we want to do a bigger book on all of California. So at that point, I pulled in Carolyn Batetta and Visit California, Mm -hmm. and the Michelin Guide was born in Sacramento. The intriguing thing about that is there were four other cities in the U.S. that had a Michelin Guide before Sacramento. New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, and San Francisco. The fact that Sacramento was the fifth city in the country with the Michelin Guide tells you enough about our food. And another point, who knew? Exactly. I mean, you've got yeah. these four major metropolitan areas in Sacramento. You know, where, where'd that come from? Again, man? we grow the food that feeds the rest of the country. When you go to New York and you see the produce stands food. on the quarter, you look at those boxes. It's all Northern California. Well, and I'll guarantee you the majority of that wine is Northern California. Yes, sir. Yep. And again, people take it so for granted that we get overlooked. Yeah. When, in fact, we are in so many different places of significance, you know, places that you would know off the top of your tongue if somebody said, what about? Right. And here, well, no, that comes from Sacramento. Yeah. You know, you like those almonds? Right. We know where they come from. 80% of the world's almond supply comes from Sacramento. 80% 80% of the country's caviar supply comes from Sacramento. I see. And I didn't tee you up on this. No, we didn't, didn't have this conversation. This is just organic. It's it's the truth because of the sturgeon in the river. Absolutely right. 99% of the sushi rice in America, if you eat sushi anywhere in the I'm U.S., just gonna go there comes with from rice. Sacramento. That, that's the part that, you know, as we started diving into Farm to Fork, okay, this is not this marketing BS that we're making up. This is this is a the way we live in Sacramento. And there's been a lot of cities across the country that, you know, talk about Farm to Fork or Farm to Table or whatever right. you want to call it. I'll never forget, I was snowed in in Washington, D.C., and I'm in my hotel room, and on the cover of their visitor guide is this chef holding this bounty of produce. 
touting, you know, that they're farm to fork. I'm like, well, where is that being grown? Because there's 14 feet of snow outside. It's grown in a greenhouse or it's yeah. flown in from California. We could make Show this claim. Show me your farm. Right. <laughs> we could make this claim in a way that nobody else could. And, and it's it's stuck. And we truly are the breadbasket. Absolutely. You know, if, if you go a little bit to the to the you know, north, you're going to have the best wines in the world in some yep. cases. If you go a little bit to the south, you've got agriculture beyond anything imaginable in the world. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's all right here. It's at our, our, our beck and call, basically. And our restaurants get is actual, absolutely the most fresh you know, produce and, and vegetables you can possibly find. Well, listen, I mean, you know, a lot of it's about California, right? It's obviously the, the, yeah. the growing cycle in Well, California. we'd like to call it just Sacramento, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're the capital, right? So we right? get to be the farm to fork capital, too. And to your point about the restaurants, you know, we used to be across the street from a restaurant, and, and there wasn't big semis that, that pulled up in the alley to drop off food. It was the farmer in a Honda Civic carrying in two crates right. of fresh vegetables Every single morning, like what they were buying from these farmers or what they were serving that day. So we bring in meeting planners to, to check out Sacramento and tour them around. And they would all talk about the produce. Oh, this asparagus is so fresh. Well, yeah, they bought it from the farmer this morning. Right. That doesn't happen in different parts of the yeah. country. And not to mention, you can even get our seafood fresh yeah. by the day. Yes. Because we have people traveling all over, not to mention we pull out of our own rivers. Exactly right. Yeah, just incredible. You know, how is the organization funded? You mentioned it's a surtax on the hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Well, we get, we produce, so, so the city and the county collect the transient op- occupancy tax. That's the hotel okay. tax. For the city, I think it's about 36 million annually. The county is a little bit lower. I want to say somewhere around 9 million. So from the city, we get a flat fee of that. We don't get a percentage of it. We just get okay. a flat piece. So they invest in us for not only the fact that we fill the convention center. We're, we're not a city department. A lot of people think that, that we're a city department. We're mm-hmm. not. We contract with the city of Sacramento to book the, the big events within the convention center. So they help us with some of that funding. Same with the county of Sacramento. If we book a convention with 299 people, we have the data that shows it's driving up the rate in county hotels, which means the county is collecting more taxes on that. So we do get funding from both the city and the county for, for the work that we do. Okay. And, and and to the point, to make a point here, you are a nonprofit organization. Right. It's not like you're, if you do generate revenue, it just goes back into the organization to be repurposed for a greater cause. It's interesting. I always tell people that we have the, the strangest business plan in the world. My job is to spend all my money to make you money, right? So we go after things like Aftershock. We bring all those people in who are going to patronize the restaurants and the businesses. We bring in a convention where if you're like me, you forgot your tie and you have to stop and go buy one somewhere. So our job is to create demand for Sacramento from visitors, have them come here. And like we said at the top, mm-hmm. spend their money and go back to wherever they came from. Now we're post-COVID. We're seeing the reemergence of activity and events and and successful, yep. especially if this year is any indication that that should continue. What do you see going down the line the next two, three, four years? I know we've got another concert of sorts coming. Right. What else do you see in the, in the greater downtown area that is going to impact Visit Sacramento or conventions maybe, whatever it might be? So there's a couple of, of chicken and egg things there, right? I think I think that we will see some new hotel construction, and I think we'll see it relatively soon. That will that will change what we're able to go after. Mm-hmm. The other piece of that is, you know, a lot of the work that we do, especially when it comes to sports, is a resume builder. So you prove you can host a high school track meet, you get an NCAA track meet, then you get an NCAA championship, then you go after the Olympic trials, which we saw in this market. We've had those before. So 
things like hosting the World's Strongest Man competition, which we've hosted two years and we have another year coming, things like hosting an Ironman successfully to the point where they signed a longer second deal mm -hmm. helps to attract interest from other groups. So I think you'll start to see more sporting events in Sacramento. I'm positive you'll see more music festivals coming to Sacramento. And again, if, as we build more hotels, I think you'll see larger and, and more diverse conventions coming to Sacramento as well. In the greater region, because Sacramento is the is the central focal point, but we certainly have some hubs that are you know outside 15, 18, 20 miles. What needs to happen out there? How do they play with the city of Sacramento? How do they play with you? Because they have their own, I'm sure, convention draw in some way, shape, or form, smaller, yeah. obviously. What needs to happen to make it even better and bigger? I think a lot of it goes back to hotel rooms. You know, the, the events that we're going after, whether it's sporting events or music festivals, they don't just fit in the city of Sacramento. They are absolutely benefiting Folsom and Roseville and Elk Grove and Davis. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the larger events that we can bring in, the more those areas will benefit. And when you talk about farm to fork, you have seen other cities in the region embrace that, that farm to fork because it is about the region. There's not a ton of farms in downtown Sacramento. And, and when we first started the campaign, I remember I got a call from a group in Yuba City that says, we, we see you're doing all this farm to fork stuff, and this is who we are, and this is the nonprofit we run, but you've never reached out to us. And my response was, well, first of all, I, I don't know who you guys are. Like, you've called me and introduced yourself, which I'm grateful for, but you see what we're doing, reach out. And we immediately brought them on board, and we immediately started talking about their story. So it started to gain momentum like that, that... You know, we were all inclusive. If, if you had something to do with farming or food, we wanted to be part of your story. We wanted sure. you to tell it. We wanted to tell it for you. So that's helped to grow it. I always tell people, if you see something that we're doing, reach out to us. And if there's a fit, if there's a place for you there, then, then we'll work together. Our job, again, is to get people to come here. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Yours tends to come from hospitality. But you just touched on something that is also, I think, incredibly significant, we have UC Davis, mm -hmm. you know, a huge campus in, in Sacramento. We have Sac State, which has now got the genesis of the EV. And, and I'm not quite sure what the extent of that's going to be, but you know, electrical vehicles and batteries, it, it's, ex, it's expanding into the university. But with the, with the significance of education and the significance of the research and the medical activity that yeah. we've got going on in the community. Does that impact us as well in some way, shape, or form? It, it does hugely. I mean, you, you talk to the folks at GSAC, Barry Broom, whose job mm -hmm. is to get businesses to move here. Part of what the challenge is always, what, what's the talent in the market? Who's coming out of your university? So if I'm bringing my high-tech corporation here, who are the local workers that I'll get, or am I going to have to bring everybody in? So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the folks that we're educating locally in our universities absolutely do make a difference. It's one of the things that, that we applaud Sac State for. They started a tourism program pre-pandemic because when you look at our industry, we were starting to see a shortage of some of those hospitality workers, of people who wanted to work in hotels, of people who wanted to run hotels, of people who wanted to be in tourism in general. So Sac State added that to their curriculum. So I think there's a responsibility for our universities, for our healthcare, to ensure that the next generations of Sacramentans are there, that they're going to have mm -hmm. the knowledge to, to continue the momentum of, of, of what everybody else has been doing. And, you know, the reality of, of the work that we all do, a lot of it, we won't realize the potential of it in our lifetime. You know, you think about the things that people did before us that, you know, probably passed away before we were born or when we were right. kids. And we don't know how much better they made our lives. I think there's a huge responsibility for all of us to, to have that in mind as we create things 
and make sure that they have the longevity to, to impact future generations. Well, and you touched on a couple of things too. The, the significance of what business is doing in the community can only benefit the city itself. And it brings, you know, new workers, it brings more money to the community yep. that allows people then to communicate globally because what we're looking, looking at is, is a digital environment. And we see things like the Entrepreneur Center at Sac State, the Carlson Center for Entrepreneurship. We've got Mark Haney with the Growth Factory and, and Venture Capital and the Backyard Advantage. And all that brings another point of visibility to the city. And those people want to see things. Yeah. And they, they come from somewhere else. And the fact that they come here and see something that maybe they like, then they tell somebody else and somebody else comes here. In some cases, we actually inherit those people as residents because they stay. Right. In other cases, they just come and visit because they like the event. And we're no longer the in-between Tahoe and Napa. Well, take it back to Farm to Fork yeah. and attracting the Michelin Guide. Who does that attract? Restaurateurs. Yes. It's a lot more economically feasible to open a restaurant in Sacramento than it is San Francisco. And now that you have that Michelin Guide here, because... Being in the Michelin Guide is like getting an, an Oscar for a chef, right? Right. So now they have a huge stage in Sacramento that not only is a little more affordable, but is on the front line of getting that fresh, locally grown food. So that, the positive thing that came from Farm to Fork, and there's a lot of them, is that it's attract foodies to our market that are visiting, and it's attract chefs that want to open new restaurants in Sacramento. Well, and to that point, too, we see a lot of guys coming from San Francisco. They, a, they can't afford it. B, they can't get into the hierarchy to get where they want to go. So they come here yeah, and, you know, yay for us because that's significant in terms of the opportunities that we get now to see and experience the highest level of what a chef is going to present or prepare. You look at somebody like Patrick Mulvaney who came from New York and his, his quote right. is, I came to Sacramento and, and realized that this is where the food is. You look at somebody like Oliver Ridgway who opened Camden Spit and Larder. Mm -hmm. He's from England. He's worked all over the world. And he realized when he got here, same thing. This is where the food is. And he opened his restaurant here. He put down his roots here. So you've got people that have come to this market for various reasons and have stayed because they didn't realize what they had until they got here. Yeah. We actually had Oliver sitting in that chair just not too long ago because oh, okay. we produce a, a food podcast here called Dine One Six. Mm. And many of the people you're mentioning are either slated to or have come through. Yeah. But again, it's just one of those things. And we had the Breaking Bread at Breaking Bread program, which I think you had something to do with. Yeah, we, we helped produce that. That was one of those ideas that was pitched to us. And Cameron, the, the director, always tells the story that, you know, they were they were talking to me about it and they were pitching me and I just cut them off. I said, you guys don't have to sell me. I'm in. Let's, let's make this thing happen. And, yeah. and we did. And it turned out to be this incredible love letter to Sacramento that not only showed the, the prowess of our food scene, but showed the personality of our chefs and that they were talking about mental health in the kitchen, that they were talking mm -hmm. about immigration, they were talking about the health of farmers. And that's what I think is so special about Sacramento that, you know, these guys are all competitors and it's a, it's right. a cutthroat business. But when it comes to sitting around a table like that and literally breaking bread, when it comes to partnering on the Tower Bridge to create this community dinner, those guys are all about community. And, and they've put this amazing foot forward for Sacramento. And I just it's amazing to me every year to see that camaraderie that, that these guys are all on the same team and it's, it's Team Sacramento. You know, I just finished a podcast this morning and it was with Mark Haney. And one of the things we were talking about, for the benefit of those who don't know, Mark Haney is one of the gentlemen that's drawing a lot of business venture capital to make Sacramento a hub of entrepreneurship. But one of the things he said is it's really about unity and love and not love in the sense of God, I love you, you know, and you're my wife, it, more love for what we do and a passion for the experience. And as we see, especially the restaurateurs, 
it's not a zero sum game. Mm. You know, it, you don't want to put that guy out of business. That's not the intent. You want to grow the entire experience for whomever comes to your restaurant, the other restaurant. You all want to succeed because if you all succeed, we all succeed. Yep. And that just says something about the city. It tells us that we're doing something right. So it it's really awesome to hear that what Visit Sacramento does is it really is a coalition. Mm-hmm. You you aren't just about the stuff that happens in the city for the city and the benefit of outsiders. People who live here get a significant benefit from what you do as well. One of the things we say internally at Visit Sacramento is tourism isn't about the tourists. It's about improving the quality of life for the people who live here. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the chefs and the other people that, that you mentioned. It's community pride, right? That there is this fighting spirit in Sacramento and, and we're overshadowed. We're in California. And if, you know, if we were on the East Coast and we asked somebody to name five cities in California, Sacramento is probably not going to be in that top five. You've got bucket list cities in San Francisco and Los Angeles. You've got Napa. You've got San Diego. You've got all these really great places. We have to fight a little bit harder. We don't have mm-hmm. a Golden Gate Bridge. We don't have some of those things that naturally attract visitors. And, you know, I, I came from, I, I grew up in Davis, but I moved to the Bay Area when I was 15. And I had an opportunity to come here for a job. And I thought to myself, man, there is no way I'm moving back to Sacramento. Same here for me. Yeah. Uh, Chicago to Dallas. And I thought the next move was going to be Phoenix and who knows from where. Right. Can, can you spend a little time in Sacramento? Uh, reluctantly, I will. Yeah. And the company and went belly up. Well, the company went belly up. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like I got stranded and stuck in Sacramento, but we had our second son here and it became just a wonderful place to be yeah. and to watch and to grow. And I remember I would travel to other markets, major markets, to tell the story, being in the broadcast business, to tell the story of Sacramento. And I always bring these little care packages. Mm-hmm. And the care packages would be something that is is Sa- Sacramento native. Yep. I'd always bring some some almonds and I'd have something about produce and I had something about you know just the, the events that take place that nobody knew. And people were like, oh, really? I had no idea. Yeah. So, well, and I, I'm the same way. So I, I, you know, I got that contract job and I commuted from Berkeley for six months because I, I wasn't going to move here. Right. And once I got here, I realized, especially after working in San Francisco, that I might be able to buy a house here. I could actually afford the rent to the point where I don't have to live with free roommates. And what I love about that story is you fast forward 20 years later, I'm now the biggest evangelist for the city just based on what I do. And you can't fake that. You can't fake no. passion. If I did not believe in this place, I could not do this job the the way that I do it. So that's something that I see with a lot of people, especially when they've come from somewhere else, this appreciation, and you're one of them, right. this appreciation for Sacramento and for some of the folks that have lived here their whole lives, they're the ones who will tell you, oh, this place is boring. There's nothing to do here. You guys don't have the perspective to, to say that because when you've been to other places, Sacramento's special. Oh, right. I mean, I'm a cyclist. We've got you know 32 miles of bike trail. Yep. I'm, I'm a kayaker. We have two rivers and a confluence and one of the flattest water lakes in the world where we host the flat water paddling. Yeah. And, and you get to do that for more than just three months out of the year. Right. Yeah. So it's it's just amazing what we have in terms of access and what we can bring in terms just for the city itself. Yeah. You know, let's let's have a little fun. There's over the course of time that you've done this, there has to have been an event that, God, this is going to be a great idea. And it was like the worst idea or, or vice versa. You know, it was it was supposed to be a bad idea. And it turned out to be the most brilliant thing that we never even thought of. You know, it's interesting. We we had we, we've done a couple of things through the years that that we thought would attract people in the market or, or drive revenue for the organization. We did a a 5K run in downtown. It's called the corporate run. The idea was we'd get all these businesses to put teams together and, and do this run. 
it seemed like a great idea. We'd seen it replicate in other markets. It, it did really well. I think what we didn't think about is that we're in California and there is a, literally a 5K run every weekend in this region. So Everywhere. We, everywhere. So we set this thing up and we did it for, I want to say, four or five years and, and we lost money on it every year and we couldn't figure out why is this thing not working? And then we realized, well, because they're a dime a dozen. We're in Sacramento and the, the other markets where we were stealing the idea from, they didn't have all as many fun runs as we did. So that was one of those things that we thought was a sure thing that wasn't. And, and I will tell you the one that to this day still blows me away is the Tower Bridge Dinner. Uh-huh. You know, it's one of those ideas that I just threw out there. And it got owned by so many different people and so many people poured love into it and made it great and made a commitment to make it good. And you look at it now, that first year we sold out in eight hours because I think it was a novelty and people wondered what it was. Every year since, it sells out in less than five seconds. Yeah, And people accuse us every year, well, you fixed it. Like, I was online right at 9 o'clock. I didn't get tickets. Well, yeah, you were online around along with 4,000 other people right. to try to vie for one of 500 tickets. Let me ask how many people have ever gone on Southwest and gotten A when they clicked at <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly the right, right time, right? Never. <laughs> never. Never. It never happens. Yeah. I've even gotten C. I can't figure it out. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm very proud of that event in the sense that you know, 10 years later, it still has the same demand. We have a waiting list of people who want to buy tables for it. And it's a it's a fundraiser. You know, a lot yeah. of people wonder where that money goes. We've created more than 60 scholarships at Sac State for the children of migrant farm workers from the proceeds of that event. We, we do scholarships there every year. It helps to pay for some of the free farm to fork events that we produce. Mm-hmm. So that to me is the epitome of community that we're creating this fun experience, but we're also benefiting other groups that that may not have been able to get tickets to the event. You know, and you say that too, I, I have to plug to other events. They're, they're not necessarily directly related to, you know, what you're doing in terms of Visit Sacramento, but they do draw. And one of them is we've got the world's largest, of course, the countries because it's Thanksgiving, Day yeah. run. Absolutely. I mean, Blake Young with the Sacramento Food Bank. Yep. 30,000 people it's come out. a tradition out, for families. And, it, and it's a tradition. It's it's amazing. And then secondly, it's changed in its iteration a bit, but we have Epi's Great Race, yes. which is now the world's oldest triathlon. And who knew? But that draws people from all over the place, too. Now, it's not tens of thousands, but it's that germ of, I went to this place called Sacramento. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I had a great time. Yeah. And the people are, are really interesting. They're really unique. They've got all these activities. There's things I never knew you could do here. And we have friends come out from wherever they come out from and they're like, oh, that's that's so cool. You've got that right there. I mentioned the, the Wine and Grape Symposium, yes. which is our largest convention. It's also the largest private wine show in the country. And if you want to know what the impact of these types of conventions are, I had a restaurateur tell me that over the course of that three-day convention, his business goes up by $40,000. That's one restaurant. You think wow. of all the restaurants around here for an event that's generating that many people. But you take it a step further. That means he has to have more staff who's getting paid, who's getting tips, who are then spending that money back into our economy. So the impact of that convention lasts well after the convention leaves. Mm-hmm. And, and again, when you think about Sacramento as a destination, whether it's for music festivals or sports or leisure travel or conventions, the impact is significant. And, you know, the reality is for a convention center, you and I probably don't go to a lot of conventions in Sacramento. We go maybe in other cities. Right. But that convention center is filled regularly, and the, it, it is a juggernaut for economic impact. So, again, we fly under the radar because we're a smaller city, but the, the impacts of tourism are huge. Well, and you mentioned I don't think people realize sometimes when you think about the money, $4 billion with a B, mm-hmm. is a tremendous 
amount of dough come into the community, however you distribute it. And it does not get spent in the first week, two, three, four, five. Right. It's over the course of the year. Nor is it just spent in the city of Sacramento. It's throughout the region. Yes. Yes. So again, it's, it's not just about benefiting three or four hotels downtown. It's about benefiting the entire region. And ultimately, it's about benefiting the people who live here. Yeah. Mike, thank you so much. Thanks for what Visit Sacramento does. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for moving here, you know, from the, from the Bay Area. I know you've raised your family here. I've raised my family here. I have no intention of leaving or going anywhere else. We we love it here. Yeah. And it's everything we can do to be advocates and, and to your point, evangelists about the city. Because we know if we are, that just benefits everybody who's here. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I hear people say to me sometimes, we want Sacramento to remain a secret. And I don't disagree with that on, on some level, but the more visitors we get here, the more direct impact you get. And they don't live here, right? So they're not gonna they're not gonna buy the house that you wanted to buy. I think that's that's the beauty of the industry that we're in, that it really is new money coming into our economy that wouldn't be here without the existence of Visit Sacramento. Kind of like grandkids. Exactly. You, you get to visit them and you leave <laughs> and when then you're you drop ready. Them off. Yes. And then everything is, goes back to normal, right? Yep, yep. Mike, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for listening to the nonprofit podcast series. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If what you heard moved you, please reach out to that organization and do what you can to help. If you like and appreciate what we're doing to support local nonprofits, please give us a positive review, subscribe, and share. If you're a nonprofit with an interest in participating in an episode, you can reach us at info at multipointstrategies.com. The Nonprofit Podcast Network is a production of Multipoint Content Strategies and is recorded and edited by Hear Me Now Studio. Thank you.